Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If you are taking notes today, we're going to jump right in. I got something special my wife and I have in store for you all today. So uh, I'm so excited about that. It's just uh, something we want to do for y'all. If you're taking notes, we're going to jump right in. This week, we're going to talk about uh, we are, we are not. Our series has been identity. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about describing who we, you know, individually I am, I am not. Now we're going to do it the we are, and the we are is focused on how we view church. And so this week, I'm just going to like tap it. I'm just going to warm you all up because next week we're going to just completely unpack it. We're going to go deep, but I just want to tap it, get you excited, get your senses going, and then we'll go from there. First thing I want to share with you this morning is we're going to go right into uh, the first thing I want to share with you is we are not a building. We are not a building. We are a body. We are not a building. We are a body. We need to kind of get ourselves out of this idea. And I'm not saying this, y'all. I'm talking about the church around the corner or something like that. What I'm saying is we need to get ourselves out of this idea that church is a building. Church is a a place. Church is, is, uh, you know, somewhere we go. Church is you. We are church. We, everywhere we go, we are the church. We are the representation of Christ. I love what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. We'll find this in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. Here it says this, God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his, what? His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. He fills all things everywhere with himself. He fills the flowers. He fills the birds and the bees and all of that stuff with himself. How do I know? Because unlike us, where people have to tell us to do something, People have to tell us to grow. People have to train us to grow and teach us to do something. The flowers fade every season, and they come back every season. Who's telling them to do that? Nobody. The birds migrate south every season and go back north every season. Who's telling them to do that? Nobody. It's the God in them. Even they got it. We just got to get it. We have to get to a point where nobody has to tell us what to do. Nobody has to tell us, hey, you need to be in fellowship with other believers. Nobody has to tell us we need to read the Bible. We are the body. Christ is already in the body. That's each of us. 
not your own individual body, but our corporate and collective body. We are the body, the representation. We are not a building. I also love uh, what Paul was sharing with the Romans in the uh, book of Romans. You'll find this in chapter 12. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Just like the body has many parts and each part has a function. This is the part I love. One of the things we firmly believe in here at Mosaic Church, and if you've attended 101, I, I say this, or if you've attended uh, Mosaic Church 101, I share this with you, I say this, every person here is called to do something. We don't have a church full of pew sitters, not at Mosaic. Maybe in the township next over or maybe around the corner, but here is it expected that every single person here who's a member of the body, you have a special function, whatever that is. What we do is in our process called the growth track, we send each and every one of you through this process. And then it's 101, 201, 301. When you get to 301, you do what we call spiritual gifts assessment. And in 301, during the spiritual gifts assessment, you go through that and we kind of uh, identify some of your spiritual gifts and some of your uh, your, your, your personality traits, and we kind of help you into the, uh, lead, into a, lead you into a direction to where you can serve in your gifting. So you don't have to guess. So you, if you're that person like, oh, I don't like kids. I don't really work with kids. And, and then we do your spiritual gifts assessment that says, man, you are ideal for kids. What are you talking about? We'll send you that way, you know. Uh, singing, we don't even have to go through that, right? Over there, my neighbors at the table over there. Singing may not be your gift, but we try to direct you in the gift. The key thing is here, we are all one body, and each body has a function. I guarantee in any of those cases, the function is not to chill. The function is to do. The function is to do. Next week, we're going to unpack this. It's going to be powerful, and I may just step on some toes, but you'll be okay. You got tough skin, right? Here's the takeaway. None of us are called to be pew sitters. We all have a job. It is our mission to figure out what that job is and apply it and do it. We are a, not a building. We are a body. Again, I'm going to rush through this so we can get to the next thing. The second thing I want to share with you is that we are not a place. We are people. We are not a place. We are people. I love it when people say, man, I'm, I'm going to church, the building, the place, church. When you can be going to church every day, when you clock in at your J-O-B, you're at church because you are the church. I guarantee your, your neighbor, your neighbor's neighbor, somebody in there needs some prayer because we ain't all living perfect lives. Am I right about it? Somebody needs it. And that's your opportunity to be the people. We are not a place where people. I love what uh, the book of Matthew says, chapter 4. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called them out, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Do me a favor. I'm about to get really churchy on you. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you are the catch of the day. 
Look at your other neighbor. Say, neighbor, you are the catch of the day. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor B? What do you mean by that, Pastor B? What I'm saying is somebody cast their net intentionally and fished for you. Maybe some of y'all grew up in church, but I want to say this. Mama, daddy, granddaddy, great-granddaddy, somebody cast their net for you long time ago. Why? Because Jesus said to these men, cast, uh, he says, put your nets away, come follow me, and I will teach you how to be fishers of people. Now, I want to go a little further and show you how Jesus actually kept his promise. Watch this. Watch this. We go to Matthew 16, 18. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. He's talking to Peter, the one who he told to throw down his net so I can teach you how to be fishers of men. So he says, I'm going to build the church upon you, Peter, the rock. Watch what he does later on. So we find out later on, Peter did some other things. He sliced somebody's ear off. He did a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Did God, did Jesus follow through on his plan to build his church on Peter the rock? The answer is yes. How do I know? In the second chapter of this great book called Acts, while the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, Peter decided to take it upon himself and all of a sudden embraced this Holy Spirit. He stood with his chest out and began preaching one of the greatest revivals ever known to men. And in that very same day, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ, were baptized, and the church that we know today has become what we know it is today. The church was started right at that moment because Jesus kept his promise to do what? Build the church on the rock called Peter, and all he did was be obedient and dropped his net. My brothers and sisters, you certainly are today's catch. Because of that, somebody cast their net, fished you. Now I'm telling you all to do the same. Cast your net and fish for others. We are not a place, y'all. We are people. The third thing I want to offer to you today, my brothers and sisters, is We are not a club, we are a community. We are not a club, we are a community. Now, when I say we're not a club, I'm not talking about flashing lights and all of that, but that can apply to certain churches where you go in there, the music is blasting, there's plenty of lights. Matter of fact, when worship happens, the lights come down, the lights go on, Jesus! I take nothing. Listen, if that's how you worship and you're really having an encounter with God, and, you know, we should celebrate God in that way. But we're not a club, and I'm not talking about that. We're not a social club. We're not a social club. Yeah, we got mosaic T-shirts. I mean, you know, but that's not like, you know, that's my crew. Yeah, woo-woo. That's not my, that's my crew, mosaic. You know? No, we're not a club. We are a community. You don't have to be initiated into this thing. You know, we don't have no secret cold. We don't have secret meetings or secret handshakes or nothing like that. We are a community. And what does that mean? It means as a community, if you're hurt, doggone it, I hurt. If you're happy, doggone it, I'm happy. Let's celebrate together. Any good news to you is great news to me. 
I might get a little bit more excited about your great news than me. A brother came in today. We've been praying. Uh, he's been really concerned, and he was been looking for a gig for, for a while, and, you know, he's got some history, and he was afraid that his history would prohibit him from getting said gig. And he went through all of the steps of the process. And so I came up to him today. I says, man, so how did it go? He says, man, they got me in orientation, but, you know, things could change. I'm like, fool, you got the job if you in orientation. You hired. Whoa! I was working out with my man G Money yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was yesterday, and we running, and uh, we coming down the hill, and we trucking after my legs were kind of weak and feeling like uh, uh, spaghetti noodles, and we going down the hill, and there was a group of runners coming up the hill, and they, they're struggling. And G Money celebrated their success more than anything. He's like, whoa! Keep on going! Whoa! That's what I'm talking about! Whoa! They were like, whoa, all right, brother. He was celebrating their excitement more. And that's what I'm saying about a community. In that moment, G Money was part of a community of people that were working out, getting in great shape. He didn't know them. They didn't know him. But he's like, we're in the same community because in this instant, we're doing the same thing. We're trying to just enjoy nature and get in great shape. So, woo! And that's how loud he was. Actually, I think you're about two octaves louder than that, but that's cool. An octave louder and a decibel or two louder. We are not a club. We are not a community. Look at Acts 2.42. I just talked about how Peter dropped this incredible sermon. I mean, it was a sermon that did some amazing things. When you, you know you can preach when after you say a few words, you quote some scripture and 3,000 people are like, man, I need some of that. Oh, I forgot to tell y'all, those 3,000 people, they were like from all over the place. I mean, there were Arabs, there were uh, people from all over. There was, a, there was a diverse crowd of people that spoke different languages. So you know Peter was preaching. He, he probably had a hoop and everything. For those that with blank faces don't know what a hoop is, I will not demonstrate that again. Huh? Do the, just one time? Jazz, I can't do it. My wife is right here. If she wasn't here, you know I could cut up. My wife is in the audience today, so I can't cut up. She cooks for me, so I, I'm not going to mess that up. That's a good Good plan we got there. A hoop is, you know, when these preachers get up there and shout and kind of take breaths and all of that stuff, you know. So, anyway. So, you know, it was good if he did that. Acts 2.42. I did it in a sermon some time ago. You got to listen to the podcast. I'm sorry. Acts 2.42, right after Peter preaches this dope sermon, he says this. This is what happened. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. To fellowship and in sharing in meals and prayer. They devoted themselves, 3,000 people baptized, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Let's form a community. Let's do this regularly together. I mean, this felt so good. I want to keep doing this together with you. This was like so awesome. I want to keep doing this together with you. And then let's also exchange some recipes because I know you can cook uh, this halal bread really good and I can make some really good lamb. And let's exchange some recipes. And then while we're doing this as a community, I want to make sure I'm praying for you because this thing is not going to be easy. This is new. This is radical, what we just learned. What just happened doesn't happen every day. 
I mean, my Arab brothers and my brothers and sisters from over here and from over there, I mean, they were with us doing this. doesn't happen every day. I'm almost 100% certain that something is going to happen to us if we keep this going because it's going to shake other people up. So we need to be in community and in prayer together with one another and praying for each other. Amen? We need to be in community. The fourth thing I want to share with you is this. We are not uniform. We are diverse. We are not uniform. We are diverse. We are a diverse community. We chose the name Mosaic for a reason. Actually, it was Miss Nikki Durr who selected the name for us in a, in a meeting one day. Mosaic. When we think of mosaic, it, it, it's, it's a bunch of broken pieces of ceramic or glass brought together to create a beautiful piece of artwork. And as I look over this room, I see people of different shades, different colors, different cultures, different backgrounds, different social economic status, different marital statuses. I see people of all different backgrounds, different educational statuses. I see that. That's our first area of diversity. But I also see a bunch of broken people. Anybody in here whole? Yeah, I didn't think so. I'm not. And I'm the pastor of this place. We're all a bunch of broken people, but God has brought us together in this diverse setting to worship him. You know, I, I spoke with a cat one time, and we were talking about uh, diversity, and I was sharing with him. I says, I think we need to be intentional about diversity. And, and he argued back with me. He says, no, is it not more important to just reach, uh, you know, unsafe people and people who are not a part of a church? Isn't it more important for you to be uh, responsible for the people that God sends you? I says, that's where you got it wrong, my friend. We are sent. God doesn't send those to us. He sends us to people. We are sent. He says that in the Bible. I said, so immediately you got it wrong. I think we have to be intentional about diversity. Because if I read this Bible, every time, when, when I look at when the first church was started, can I share some of the people that, that, that were a part of the very first church? You find it in Acts 2, uh, chapter, uh, verse 9 through 11. Here we go. It says, these are the people. These are the 3,000. You know, this is a group of the 3,000. It says this. Here we are, Parthians. Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judeans, to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. This is a list, a short list of the people who were present when the very first church, when this movement called Christianity began, this is just a short list of all the people who were there. And out of all these people, 3,000 of these people decided that they would form a community to serve God and share the gospel with all the people throughout the world. This, the first church that was established, was diverse. When Paul was taking mission trips to Corinth and building the Corinthian church, one of the most diverse and multi-ethnic churches ever listed, he was there. When we talk about Rome and the different people who were in Rome, not only did you have the Romans, you had people from uh, Judea, you had all over, you had Jews who had converted, you had Gentiles, you had Asians, you had a whole bunch of people. And if I read the book of Colossians where they talk about 
people with different religious pedigree and different cultures and different backgrounds. I'm telling you, my friends, if I read the New Testament, it's full of church plants that were diverse intentionally. So you can't tell me that's not part of God's plan. And then we can get to the final book in the Bible, in the book of Revelations, and he clearly talks about this vision where he hears people speaking different languages, and they had different colors of skin. It's mentioned in the Bible throughout the entire New Testament. So when I hear people say, oh, man, we should just focus on the people that God sends us. First of all, God ain't going to send us no people. We are the ones that are sent. We, the disciples, the believers, we're the sent ones. And when we go out to be with those people, it's intentional that we share the gospel with people that don't look like us, that don't live in our neighborhood, that don't speak like us, that don't share the same culture as us. Why? Because if I understand and believe the New Testament, that is exactly how God planned it, a diverse church. So we are not uniform. We are diverse. We're not a bunch of robots that come in here doing the same thing, speaking the same thing, eating the same thing. Some of y'all eat pork, some of y'all don't. Some of y'all just eat fish, others of y'all won't. I'll keep going with that, but we are diverse. We're not uniform. We're not just all doing the same thing. Look at Colossians 3.11. This is a great example of what I'm talking about, people with different races and cultures and social statuses and religious pedigree. Colossians 3.11 says this, In this new life, that means you Christians, that's us, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ, 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 I'm going to keep saying that, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. When I look at this series that we're doing, identity, this is the whole, this is the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about. If your first identity is, I'm a woman, if your next one is, I'm a black woman, I'm a white woman, if your next identity is, I'm a married black or white woman, then that is wrong. Your first identity is, I am a child of God, I am a Christian, I am a disciple of Christ. Now, if you want to look at my uh, culture or my ethnicity from there, that's on you, baby. But my first identity is the one in Christ because my old self is gone, but I take with me the redeemable things of my past and live them according to Christ. My first identity is in Christ. That's what we're talking about here. And when we talk about the the, the religious pedigree and all that stuff, when it says here in Colossians 3.11, it says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, right there, he's disqualifying your race as being your primary identifier. Then he goes on to say, circumcised or uncircumcised, well, that right there, that totally Uh, denotes whatever you felt you were in terms of your religious pedigree. See, back then, if you were uncircumcised, you were not a part of the great, you know, the, the great group of them who were Jews. But if you were circumcised, you had some great religious pedigree. The amazing thing about it, this is Paul saying it. He's a man who was circumcised only eight days old who had the right to be proud of his religious pedigree and his heritage being uh, a Pharisee and coming directly from the bloodline of Benjamin. He could trace his roots all the way back, but he said none of that matters. See, your religious pedigree doesn't matter. Then he says this, I don't care if you are barbaric, if you are uncivilized, 
if you are a slave or free. See, they categorize the barbaric, uncivilized, and free together because if you did not speak their language, believe in their culture, if you were from somewhere else and didn't look like them, you were automatically considered to be barbaric. And he says, that doesn't matter anymore. What matters is, first of all, your relationship with Christ. If you have a relationship with Christ, all of that stuff is done. You are a new creature. Now, live in that as your first identity. In Christ, we have a new ethnos. We have a new identity. In Christ, we have a new ethnos, a new culture. In Christ, we have a new ethnos, a new race. I dare y'all when you fill out your next census to, to put other in there. I dare you. I dare, and, and, and watch this. The only thing you check is Christian. You'll blow their dog on. Imagine that, though, really. Imagine if we really did that on our census things. We would jack the government up, wouldn't we? They're like, well, what race are you, Christian? Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. But what culture are you, Christian? There's an ongoing debate with a friend of mine. He's a phenomenal drummer. He's like, is, is being Jewish a race or religion? You know why we're so confused about it? Because they don't check the box. Because the Bible, you know, we look at it, if you came from Judea, from, from the area of Judea, and, you know, you're Jewish. But then it's a religion. Really? Is it a religion or is it a race or culture? It confuses people. Now, imagine if we Christians did the same doggone thing. Now, if we look at Jewish people, y'all know Sammy Davis Jr. was Jewish. Probably the same he was me, a little shorter, more cockeyed. But Sammy Davis was Jewish. You look like, whoa. Jewish people, different hair colors, different, different eye colors. You know, you can't look at a Jew and say they're, certain Jews you can because, they, you know, Hasidic Jews, they wear a certain thing. But others you can't. Imagine if Christians, we did that. The next sentence, we just put, I'm going to skip the race thing and put other. All of us put other. I dare you. Just put other. And then, then, and then just check Christian. We'll jam them up because that should be our first identifier. I am first Christian. Let's move on to the final thing. Number five, we are not stationary. We are missional. We are not stationary. We are missional. I don't want to upset anybody here, but I got to say this, and I got to make it plain. I got to make it plain on this one. If the sum total of your Christianity is wrapped up into a Sunday morning service, Baby, you got it wrong. And we need to, and I'm telling you, if that's you, if it's the majority of you, I will not preach another sermon series. I will take us for the rest of however long it takes us. I will take us every line by line through the Gospels. We'll touch a little bit of Acts, and we'll stop right there because the rest is all about church planning. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to be honest with you. The rest is all church planning. We'll share some Old Testament just so we can understand where the Gospel comes from. But you have to understand that God did not call us, like I said last week, he did not call us to just be a bunch of Jesus fans. He called us to be disciples. And the only way we can be disciples is to get outside of our comfort zone, share our testimony coupled with Scripture. He called us to be movers. And if the sum total of your Christianity is wrapped up into a Sunday morning worship, baby, you got it wrong. You have it wrong, and we probably need to press restart and start completely over. The purpose of the church is twofold. 
The purpose of the church is twofold. Number one, we should come together. We should assemble for the purpose of bringing each other to spiritual maturity. It is important that we assemble. Where we assemble, how we assemble, that's up for debate. It could be just small groups. It could be Sunday morning. It could be Sunday morning and small groups. It could be Bible study. We are required to assemble. One of the things I share all the time, and I'll stand by this, and anybody can check me on it, and I'm I'm not going to change. One of the things I say all the time, there's no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving church community. There's not. You can memorize the the entire Bible from, from the index all the way to the maps, from the intro to the maps. It doesn't matter if you are not a part of a loving community to share and build other people. As disciples, we're called to be disciple makers. And how in the heck can you be a disciple maker if you are not connected to other people? It's impossible. You and your shadow, that'd be about it. You can disciple the heck out of your shadow, and that'll be your best disciple, your shadow. We are called to do. We assemble to to get ourselves to a place of uh, spiritual maturity. The second thing is the church is called to reach out, meaning we scatter to spread the love of Christ and the gospel message to unbelievers all over, all over, all over. If you look at our mission statement, for those who don't know, it's reach, teach, serve, love. People, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, regardless of how they are, with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Reach, teach, serve, love people, no matter who they are, where they are, or how they are, with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Y'all know what? All four components of our mission statement embody this whole thing to be missional, to be diverse, to be intentional about serving and reaching out to people. All four components of our mission statement embody that. I firmly believe God called me to pastor a church where we are doers, not just sitters. We are doers. We get out there and do. I want to share this quote with you. And again, next week we're going to go way deeper. We're going to spend a whole bunch of time just talking about the mission of the church and how we identify ourselves as a modern-day church. Amen? I want to share this with you. It comes from an Anglican priest by the name of Canon Ernest Southscott. It says this, The holiest moment of the church service is the moment when God's people, strengthened by preaching and sacrament, leave the service and go into the world to be the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. So here's the thing. When people say, hey, what you doing on Sunday? I'm going to assemble with my community. I'm not going to church. I'm going to assemble with my community. I'm not going to church. I'm the church. And I'm going to assemble with the other people that represent the church. And we're going to come together as a community. And we're going to strengthen each other. We're going to pray for each other. You know, my morning, it takes me an hour each morning to get started. Because I take that much time to pray for every single one of you by name. I promise you. It is what I look forward to. It is the one thing that I know that, that, that impacts each one of you. How do I know? You all tell me. 
Y'all tell me. Sometimes I'll be, I'm like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know. I thought I was just talking. And the people who share the most are the people that like, be like this. I'm like, really? I'm impacting you? The Word of God that He sends through me is making a change in your life? Because when I look, you're like, you got that look like, where am I? And you're the first one. You're like, man, thank you for that word, man. It blessed my life. <laughs> Amen. All right. I didn't think you caught it. <laughs> meditating on it. There you go. Meditate. You're meditating hard. You know you're meditating hard when you. <laughs> you know that look. You got to take your while to figure out where you're at. But obviously, y'all are impacted because we pray. And I pray for each and every one of you every single day. Let me do this summary. Then the next voice you'll hear will be that of my wife, Pastor Erica Santiago, First Lady, Evangelist. What's another one they use? Prophetess. There it is. <laughs> Prophetess. Erica Lynn Santiago. <laughs> Quick summary. Number one, we are not a building. We are a body. Say that with me. We are not a building. We are a body. We are not a place. We are people. We are not a club. We are a community. We are not uniform. We are diverse. We're not stationary. We are missional. Now, let's go and do. Let me pray, and I bring my beautiful wife up. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to stand before this wonderful congregation of disciples, God, and disciple makers. God, we're going to be doers of your word, not just hearers. We want to go out there and make an impact in the lives of so many people because that's what you've called us to do. We don't uh, seek to gain our own handshake or pat on the back for the work that you've called us to do. We seek to just gain your approval. We want to build this kingdom according to how you say we should do it, God. God, I thank you because today we celebrate a year. Oh, God, it wasn't easy, God, but you, you allowed us to do it. And because your hand has been not on us but in us, we can stand today and say we are one year old. God, I just can't contain myself as I begin to think about what's to come. We've accomplished so many things that honor you in just a short period of time. So I just can only imagine what five years looks like for this little humble and small community called Mosaic Church. God, we'll continue to make ourselves completely available, completely vulnerable to receive all that you have us to receive. God, I love you, I honor you, and praise you. I thank you for each and every single person that's here under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.